Hi, Seher. Welcome to Network Capital. In this podcast, we try and do a deep dive into career choices. Uh, you've had a particularly interesting career, and we're excited to learn more about you. Could you tell us uh, who you are and what you do? Yeah, sure. Um, hi, I'm Seher Mansoor. I grew up in Bangalore, um, and I spent some time studying uh, my undergrad and my master's away for a bit, worked for a bit, and then moved, found my way back home to Bangalore. And I spent some time working in rural Karnataka primarily. I worked on solar energy projects um, to basically help um, underserved communities fill in the energy gap. So basically we solarized public health centers and sewing machines and schools and all sorts of cool stuff like that. And um, uh, I just kind of found myself a few years down the line finding Bare Necessities, which is a small waste-related enterprise in Bangalore. And I'm excited to tell you more about that. Uh, what is Bare Necessities and uh, what's the genesis of the idea? Sure. So actually kind of related to uh, the work I did at Selco, I was working with um, a community that was kind of by our Bangalore airport. And um, essentially they were waste pickers. So they were an informal community that lived in blue top homes. And essentially, we worked on putting solar panels on, you know, the tea stall. So when everyone comes in the morning for their cup of tea, um, they essentially also just plugged in their battery to charge, go away for a day's work, and then they come back and we had a fully charged um, battery that, that they could plug into their solar lantern. Um, and while working on this project, I spent a lot of time basically shadowing members from the community um, around Bangalore on my cycle at like 5 a.m., <laughs> And um, essentially, I got to observe more closely um, about, you know, what's, go- what's going on with our waste problem and kind of got to observe waste infrastructure systems really closely. Um, and this is also a topic that I've been interested in academically, but it was really kind of um, interesting to kind of see this from a ground up perspective. And um, that's kind of when I decided to start living a zero waste lifestyle or a low impact lifestyle. And um, a few years down the line, we started Bare Necessities, which is um, an enterprise that basically seeks to make it easy and accessible for others who are looking to consume more mindfully and who want to live a less waste-free lifestyle. It's also kind of a hub for zero-waste living. So we like to share information, become this knowledge hub, uh, so we can share resources more easily. And uh, have you uh, raised any money for it? What's, how, what's the business model? Where do you see yourself in uh, three to five years? Yeah, lots of great questions. Uh, so essentially, you know, Bare Necessities makes these products that are really um, accessible and easy. For example, we make things like bamboo toothbrushes and stainless steel straws um, and basically all products that otherwise would be plastic. So we are a products company, but we're also into the services. So we help people who want to, say, companies or cafes become more sustainable. Um, we've been bootstrapped for about three years now, and um, we are just closing our seed round, which is super, super exciting. Um, and we're super lucky to have like-minded, awesome investors on board who kind of understand that some um, metrics, such as social impact, can't be measured on an Excel spreadsheet. So Social Alpha, which is a subsidy of the Tata Trust, is one of our um, lead investors. And we also have two more individuals um, in, who kind of joined the round. So it's really exciting. And we're just closing our seat round. 
Congratulations. Now tell us your vision. Where will you take this company in the next five years? Oh, um, so honestly, um, the FMCG industry hasn't seen any innovation in the past like 30 years. Um, you know, products that we use on a daily basis are packaged in plastic, loaded with chemicals. I mean, you know, presumably everything, the first thing that we all do when we wake up in the morning is brush our teeth. And we all use a plastic toothbrush. And our toothpaste comes in this plastic tube. And, you know, we're producing, we're currently in the largest global garbage crisis of our lifetime. And the FMCG industry is largely to blame. Um, so basically, my vision for BNSSDs is to completely reimagine um, consumer products and make them as earth-friendly as possible. So the idea is all our products will be packaged in a recyclable, reusable, or fully compostable packaging. So the idea is nothing will land up in our oceans and landfills. I love it. So give us a flavor of your products. How did you learn to make them? Uh, what's the product that you're most proud of or what was the hardest thing to get um, the product right? Yeah. Oh, um, it was just a ton of experimentation. Um, bless my mom. She's been so patient. I mean, my first laboratory was my mom's kitchen. <laughs> um, so, you know, I was basically just fashioning and looking at old recipes. I asked my grandmother, you know, what she used to do before shampoo started coming in a plastic bottle. Um, I took courses, I started reading up and buying a lot of books on um, aromatherapy, on just essential oils, how to make things. Um, so yeah, I started making soaps um, and toothpaste. Those were kind of my first few products. And then I started making detergents and lip balms. Um, but then also doing a lot of product design work, exploring materials like bamboo um, that are, you know, for example, bamboo is the fastest growing plant in the world. It takes only three weeks to grow completely full size. And um, we can have these amazing bamboo toothbrushes that we can use and we can just compost when we're, when we're done with it. So um, it's been quite a lot of um, trials and errors and lots of kind of failed experiments. Uh, but I think they've all been really fun and a product I'm most proud of. Um, I would say the lip balm. Um, it's just, it's amazing whether I'm hiking in the mountains or uh, scuba diving. It just, um, the, I think the formulation is just, Perfect. So that's one product I'm most proud of. Understood. Um, tell us more about how you learned. You gave us a flavor that you learned and you took courses. But uh, what did you study in undergrad and was it related at all to what uh, what your company does today? And uh, if not, uh, walk us into the specific way you upskilled yourself to make a product-led company. Okay, yeah, that's a good loaded question. <laughs> um, well, I studied political science and I was on a pre-law track and I went to a small hippie liberal arts school in Los Angeles. And, um, you know, I was all set on becoming a lawyer. And then I took this one environmental course called World Religion and Ecology that just completely blew my mind and kind of changed, the, you know, forced me to change the direction of my life. Um, and then I basically walked into my dean's office, asked him, you know, can we have a major that's more focused on environmental education? And um, he was kind of shocked that I said that because <laughs> I was like, you know, you don't have the major I want. And um, he was like, what do you mean? We have like 500 majors here. But um, we basically sat down and handcrafted a major that had environmental science and environmental engineering and environmental planning and philosophy. Um, so that was my academic training and then my master's I studied environmental law and environmental economics at Cambridge 
um, because then I wanted to become like a professor. Um, and I think honestly, the best thing that happened to me was that I didn't get fully funded for my PhD at Cambridge uh, because then I got a flavor of the real world. Um, so I spent some time at WHO in Geneva and, um, you know, I had been looking at our waste problem from an environmental perspective and honestly from a very nerdy, academic, elitist perspective. But for the first time, I got to change gears a little and look at um, our waste problem, but also the personal care products that we use on a daily basis and the chemicals in it from a health perspective. And I think that was really kind of instrumental in the work that I'm doing now. And uh, then moving back, of course, to India helped me look at our waste problem from a social justice perspective. Um, so I think those three approaches that I learned academically and work environments have really kind of shaped what I'm doing now. But really nothing has trained me or educated me to run a business. I didn't go to business school. I never thought I would be an entrepreneur. Um, you know, I didn't study, uh, uh, you know, um, aromatherapy or something in any uh, fancy uh, French school on <laughs> the Alps or anything like that. Um, so it, I think it's just been a lot of experimentation and I think a strong desire to create a better world and kind of leave this planet in a better state than we found it. Because, um, you know, if we're hiking somewhere um, in the Western Ghats, I don't know, with my niece and nephew, few years from now and if we're sitting in a pile of trash around us I want to be the one to say that at least I tried not to add more to the environment um, you know and I tried to come up with solutions to prevent us from being green there so I think there's a larger kind of social mission attached to the vision and also in the creation of the products we try and hire uh, local women a lot of them have not finished school a lot of them have no formal training um, we also kind of sponsor the kids' education. Uh, so it's basically all of the values that I've truly really kind of, um, uh, you know, liked growing up or learned and seen in different environments. I've just tried to bring it all into one little enterprise that we call the necessities. That's, uh, that's great that you're creating local uh, employment. Uh, talk to me about the pricing of your product. One critique that we hear of... Uh, products that fall in your category are that they might be environmentally friendly, but they are uh, so expensive that people can't afford them. Do you agree with this critique? Uh, if not, tell us your counter argument. Yeah, I think that's a really good question. I mean, you know, you hear the word organic and you immediately just associate with a higher price. And I think, honestly, um, I want to be able to sell products to the mass market and be accessible, irrespective of their socioeconomic class especially having worked in rural India and spent so much time there. Um, I mean, it was really heartening to see um, these largely farmer communities that I would work with. And I was working on these solar projects, and they're using these two-rupee sachets of FMCG products, like detergents or shampoos. And, you know, all of the water is then going into the soil in which they're growing food for the entire country. Um, so, you know, it's bad for their health, it's bad for the environment, it's bad for um, the water quality. So I think, you know, um, this industry, the FMCG industry, needs to push innovation um, on packaging, on ingredients, but also making it accessible. So I totally, totally think that's a valid critique. Um, and I think, honestly, it's an economies of scale problem, right? So I think there has to be more demand for the product. I think the government needs to create better policies um, for enterprises like us to exist. 
um, I think there needs to be maybe whether it's tax incentives or um, you know um, basically you know they had a whole scheme around Swachh Bharat and it was great that waste management or all of this these discussions have kind of come to public discourse but I think you know we need to look at the ways we are planning cities and grocery stores to make sustainability just the norm and not the exception and I think especially uh, through policy because it's a great way to institutionalize change and create large scale impact I think if government was um, you know creating policies such as they did for the CSR policy they mandated 2% to be spent on CSR spending if the government mandates for these big FMCG companies to reimagine their manufacturing or put aside 2% of their budget um, on R&D development for environmentally sound packaging or something. So I think it's an ecosystem approach. You know, consumers need to be more educated. We need to ask the right products. Manufacturers creating the right products need to exist. The right policy ecosystem needs to be in place. Um, and then hopefully there'll be enough demand that we'll be producing these amazing products that are good for our health and environment. Um, you know, for everyone at all prices, accessible everywhere in every corner store. Uh, that's that's a really powerful vision. But uh, do you agree with the critique that as of today, it's unaffordable for most, or do you disagree with that? So um, at Bare Necessities, I think our products are not luxury pricing and they're not super premium, but they, of course they're premium. Um, so for example, an agrarian farmer will not buy my toothbrush or my toothpaste. Um, but what we do do is we have a lot of talks and workshops, which are DIY workshops where we work with kids at schools, at cafes, we've done stuff at offices, um, you know, where we just teach people how to make their own personal care products. And the idea is to democratize the process. So, you know, the big vision for Bare Necessities isn't for me to be the biggest McDonald's of the world, that everyone needs to buy products from us. But the idea is if we can teach you how to make these products, with ingredients that are native to your own kitchen or backyard, then that means that less waste going up in the landfill of the ocean. And that is the mission of NSSDs. Ultimately, less waste will be landing up in our um, oceans and landfill. Is there a brand in the West or in the East that you admire and uh, have considered modeling your business around that? Um, to be honest, this might not be very palatable for many people. But I think currently the zero waste movement is kind of um, dominated by a little bit of a um, Western rhetoric, and it's becoming a very elite and bulk stores, and, you know, accessible only in this hipster one locality in Brooklyn or you know Chelsea or whatever. Um, I think what is so beautiful about zero waste in India is that a lot of the things that we traditionally used to do were zero waste. So I think, honestly, the default culture, like going zero waste isn't super crazy or radical or hipster. It's just traditionally Indian. So, you know, if you think about all of our grandparents and Nani Tati's eyes and energies, they were all probably zero waste. The idea of going to a bazaar and getting as much food as you need uh, rather than going to Western inspired grocery stores that are giving you pre-dictated amount of packaged food or, um, you know, our stainless Teal Tiffin is a phenomenal example. The Dabawalas of Mumbai, I mean, they've done, they've done Harvard case studies on them, and the, the margin of error is like close to nothing. But also, I mean, this 6,000, um, you know, Dabawalas of, of Mumbai are delivering over 2 lakh healthy home-cooked meals, all without producing absolutely any waste. 
and that is a phenomenal example of zero waste that's so traditional in our culture um and you can i can't even imagine telling the food startups of the you know <laughs> um world now that giving them this example about how they're producing absolutely no waste um got it e-commerce is huge in india and you're um, you're amongst other things you're also an e-commerce company but is that the only revenue stream or do you see yourself growing in other areas as well um yeah so you know uh, while we are large product company and an e-commerce company which i ship everything as low packaging as possible we also have a, a place uh, in bangalore where you can come and refill your products um and we also retail at 50 other stores across the country um so products is definitely currently our bread and butter um but we just came up with a zero waste online course so it goes through aspects of your personal care routine but also your kitchen your lifestyle your commuting style your cities your closet um and basically we have experts insights people who joined us little activities videos diys to make it as easy and accessible for people who are also looking to consume more mindfully so that is one um but we also you know um get a lot of consulting requests whether it's a cafe that's starting up or a big multinational company who wants to just you know be more sustainable reduce their waste um whether it's food waste or paper waste um and so we kind of help with setting up those processes as well who's your strongest critic who's your strongest ally and who are your mentors Oh my god that's a really good question. Um let me start with the mentors. I think I'm super super lucky because I have a lot of amazing mentors in my life. You know, I'm still really close with my professors from university. Um you know, um I've had the pleasure of having uh, Sanjay Prasad um who's been with me for the past 2 years as my mentor and I have weekly with him. Um I have my uncle Javad who is um an amazing serial entrepreneur um and you know i think it's also maybe I, he gives me advice that probably my dad would give me um who unfortunately isn't around uh latika pai who is at microsoft um who created this amazing community of women entrepreneurs who just support each other um i think also my allies are this might be a little off topic but um of course similar like minded enterprises like daily dump and sahas and uh, poonam is another great mentor of mine um but also my football team i play football in bangalore and it's just a sense of community that has given me kind of um it's just an amazing release it's really good to be surrounded by amazing women that you look up to and admire who are also entrepreneurs and also ceos and um, also amazing moms and you know doing it all um so i think they kind of help ground me give me great advice um mentor me when i need because i'm one of the youngest on the team so i'm really really grateful for that community um who are my biggest critics i would say my sisters and i think that's really healthy um because they tell me things that other people uh, wouldn't tell me or think it's non palatable so i think they're um critical but also kind of super encouraging um so yeah super super lucky in terms of all of the social support i have uh what's the one thing that you believe in that others mostly disagree with um that we can make sustainability and zero waste the norm and not the exception and that we can't people disagree with you on that you get a lot of pushback 
Yeah, because, you know, there are um, the whole kind of economic development versus environmental conservation rhetoric that is pretty dominant um, in a lot of Indian discourse, I think, uh, that is prominent and comes kind of back at me a couple of times. Um, I think this need for reimagining our FMCG industry, it's not just about convenience, but we can also design better packaging and, you know, kind of reinvent on that. Um, I think I get lots of pushback on that because we're so used to doing it how we used to do it and it's, you know, the plastic container is 30 pies or 30 cents or whatever it might be, which is just so easy and acceptable. So I think the need to kind of change those systems and change thinking around that um, gets a lot of pushback. Awesome. Um, let's, uh, let's switch gears. The schools, colleges and governments, if you were to give each of them one piece of advice, what would it be? Um, I guess my one piece of advice for governments is um, to create policies that are bold and decisive. We are living in, you know, the largest global garbage crisis of our lifetime, but also with the IPCC report out, there is so much research to back out why climate action is the need of the hour. So I would say to our government, um, be more bold and decisive. You know, um, I think Swatch Bharat is a great mission, but how are we going to create the policies to make that happen? So whether it is creating policies to incentivize small businesses in the environmental field to exist, you know, incentivizing them to exist through taxation or creating a mandate for huge polluters, you know, really adopting the polluters pay principle where people have to pay as per what they're polluting. Um, because I think the, the financial kind of bottom line really pushes and changes behavior, whether when businesses are concerned. For schools and colleges, I would say that, wow, you have such an important role. Um, you know, you are housing um, and molding like the future of nations, um, you know, the future leaders. Um, like, and it's so, so important that conversations around sustainability become super mainstream, become the everyday. Um, and I think, you know, creating examples of zero waste campuses or green campuses are instrumental in them seeing that this is the norm and this is the everyday. And then they take those values with them and create a world, whichever, you know, whichever world they seek to go in, to create those worlds also uh, as really environmental little ecosystems and zones. So, yeah, I think that's my one piece, piece of advice. Let's switch gears to personal productivity and learning. How do you learn new things? How are you on top of it? I personally love the fact that you moved from from law into product development and now you raised money, you're doing interesting things. But this doesn't stop, right? Learning is a never-ending journey. How are you actively taking time out during a busy week to, to learn new things? What's surprising you about uh, the process? Oh, yeah, I am a total nerd, so I love this question. <laughs> um, to be honest, my mornings are sacred. So like 6 a.m. to 10 a.m., I try and be away from my cell phone um, and look at any emails or messages or anything like that. So whether I am you know, in the morning um, at Cabin Park running or playing football with my girlfriends, um, coming back home, making breakfast, listening to a podcast that I love, um, seeing what's going on and what's new in the world uh, because I think I need to learn one new thing every day. So I think that's part of my morning ritual. Um, and then I kind of, you know, shower, meditate, and then head to work at 10. 
Um, and then I have this amazing newsletter broadsheet, which is um, another fellow startup, of, you know, women-led startup in Bangalore, and they kind of put together the funnest news, quickest, smartest way, and they reference it all, um, and I kind of really like their journalistic style, um, and um, I think also political ideology-wise, I really vibe with them, so I listen to, I read my broadsheet newsletter, um, and that's kind of the start to my, my day. Um, yeah. That's how I kind of keep on top of it. But I love reading. So I try and kind of evenings are spent reading. Um, and this, I mean, we live in this not world where there's so much information and it's so easy to share with each other. So it's like really important to kind of use that and leverage that and keep learning. Yeah, that's great, sir. Six to ten, it's uh, it's ideal for, to take time out for yourself. Um, I, I, I just finished a book by Ryan Holiday. Nice. And uh, many other, he and many others, um, actively suggest that one should take time out to digitally detox and uh, you know learn new things um just like you know coming towards the end of the podcast uh, tell us uh, you know tell us what has been the hardest part of uh, building this business and what has been the most rewarding part yet oh wow um what's the hardest part of building this business Honestly, there's nothing that you can learn or study that can prepare you for running your own business. I think you just have to learn it on the job. Um, so, you know, from early days when I was like making the products to going to the post office to shipping them, um, to hiring my first employee. And, you know, she, that's her, her name is Asiapa. She was like, you know, I would just come to work and I would take a nap because there were no orders. <laughs> Um, you know, so I think early days were definitely hard because you're trying to figure it all out. Um, and especially because I'm a total, total accidental entrepreneur, you know, this is not what I kind of envisioned. Um, so I think the hardest job, part of it is also kind of being ready for rejection. Uh, I, in early days, I was just on this pitch mode and I kept pitching and it was just racking up the rejection. And then I decided to stop pitching and just focus on the business and just start building it. And then kind of organically, it just happened um, and people were reaching out to us and seeking us out. So I think um, what I learned is that you have to kind of inculcate or build resilience. You have to be okay with rejection um, and you have to just be like ready for the ride. I think that's what I learned. Um, and what has been the best thing about building a business? I think is building this community of amazing like-minded people and I'm just super, super grateful for my team. I mean, they all um, have all of the skills that I don't have and are so good at what they do, more than, like better than I will ever be, whether it is manufacturing or kind of looking at finance and strategy or marketing or, um, you know, just it's just an amazing team and I'm so lucky to be surrounded by these amazing people who are so diverse. Uh, whether it's the academic background or socioeconomic background, um, you know, so I mean, what surprised me the most is how much they all also love each other and how much they think of their necessities as their home. And I think, you know, whether it's the manufacturing women want to celebrate their birthday kids at their, um, to, you know, just, it's just a sense of camaraderie um, that kind of brown, you know, crosses languages and culture. We have this Australian boy, Tim, on our team who is like best friends with manufacturing women who speak only Hindi. So, I mean, there's just so many kind of boundaries that are constantly being um, reimagined in my mind through my team. And I think that's the best part about there. 
I can tell that you're excited and you're enjoying the process just by your energy. It's been a delight talking to you, uh, Sahar, and I look forward to connecting with you and hosting with you, uh, hosting you at our Network Capital Meet in Bangalore. Um, keep doing what you're doing, and uh, yeah, all the very best. Thank you so much for having me, Utkarsh. It's been like such a pleasure after listening to all of your podcasts. It's great to be here, and oh, I'm so excited to come to Bangalore. Please come visit. We'd love to host you at there. So yeah, come visit. Definitely. See you. Thank you. Have a good day.